cricket, dreaming about a premiership cup. We love our clubs, but they never win. Two flags in 100 years. That shit house, if you think we'll be insightful, clever or just well researched. We're here to say that's not the case, we'll just go out and wing it. We are two guys, one a Wednesday, June the 10th. Welcome to Two Guys, One Cup, an AFL podcast. My name is Will Anderson. And my name is Charlie Clawson. And Will, uh, how hard is it to manufacture enthusiasm for this forthcoming season? <laughs> I could not give a shit. I hopefully, hopefully I will give a shit. I'm trying to give a shit because it's oh. back tomorrow and I'm like, we have to officially give a shit. I've even today on our Skype call uh, in the background, put up the Two Guys, One Cup artwork yeah. in the hope that when I see myself, I will see myself you know, in front of that Premiership Cup and I'll be inspired by the fact that, as Damien Hardwick says, as Dimmer himself, the Premiership coach said, it should be a Gold Cup this season because the team that wins the Grand Final this season will have overcome the most arduous conditions to win a Premiership ever in the history of Premierships in the AFL. This should be the one the literal holy grail that we are all searching for. This should be the year that Mark Seymour is there and the captain of the winning team, uh, Marcus Bondempelli, is arm in arm with Mark Seymour, who is a Bulldogs fan, and uh, he is singing Holy Grail, and Bond is holding that golden cup. Actually, now that I'm talking about it, I am getting a little bit of a thrill a tingle. through me. I am, You know what? Fake it until you make it. I am actually starting to think that this is... Uh, this is working. Well, I think the problem was, I mean, A, the big layoff and then the being uh, inundated with a bunch of football podcasts and TV shows that actually don't have anything to talk about. So we've been beaten into kind of like submission. But I did watch a bit of the NRL last week with their fake crowd sounds and their cardboard cutouts. And i got to say, it worked on me. I was like, you know what? The sound of the crowd cheering, because my memory of round one, um, amongst all the weirdness and, you know, right before the lockdown started, was just a strange, strange thing. It felt like you were watching another a practice match or a preseason game or something. But I think that maybe come back with some of that Giants-style uh, pre-recorded crowd sounds and cheering and some chanting. I do wonder, though, was there a dude like Murray Trigoning, like up in the sound booth, because at certain points when teams would score like a try or get a run on or whatever, they would inject a bit of like the crowd would sort of rev up a bit. So I'm wondering, like, is that like a new job? Is there a DJ? Is there some guy with like a soundboard in there? You get like trials or someone just working with their soundboard, hitting like crowd sounds for everything that happens in the game. Is Trigoning alive? Is, is there a chance yes. that they have actually just cracked open the in case of emergency operate Trigoning. They brought Trigoning out of retirement. The AFL have basically said, Gil's been in the office and he's sitting there and he goes, what do we do about the new season? How do we get people enthused about it? In the same way as I've put up my uh, background here to make me feel like I'm in the moment, even though I'm not Charlie, could they do a, an equivalent thing in the AFL? We've got to get Trigoning. Get me Tregonning, get him into the office and see what he can do. Well, I was uh, chatting with uh, Junk Times' Michael Chamberlain the other day um, about this very subject, and he seems to think that Murray Tregonning uh, is not in retirement. Murray Tregonning runs his own audiovisual business, uh, hiring out equipment for production and live shows and that kind of stuff. Uh, because Hang on, so he's match fit is what you're saying. He's match fit, he's, he's ready to go. Ready. And, well, apparently, uh, I can't remember how Michael heard this story or, or what the interaction was, but someone who worked for Trigoning Audiovisual was dropping off some gear and someone spotted the name and was like, oh, is that like Murray Trigoning? And they're like, oh, yeah, 
Murray loves to bust out a bit of YouTube to show some hey hey highlights to people. <laughs> you don't even need to ask. Murray's got his top five Dragoning moments on YouTube ready to show you. I mean, if I was Dragoning, I wouldn't just be busting out highlights. I'd be Dragoning conversations that I was having. If I was having a conversation with Murray Tregoning and there weren't sound effects just dropped into the conversation, <laughs> I'd be very disappointed by that. He should be taking it live. The the live Tregoning experience, it'd be like seeing, you know, um, hot dub Michael time Winslow. machine or, you know, <laughs> Groove Terminator at their best, just right, dropping yeah. in samples to a conversation. In fact, I'd love to do a tour. Maybe this will be the new thing I do with my comedy uh, when we come out of, oh, oh even better, Charlie. We could mm. do a live two guys, one car. In fact, if we got to do our grand final edition, as we have done previously, of Two Guys, One Cup and Junk Time AFL, and live on stage, we had Murray Tregoning with a sound pad, just live able mixing. to drop in Tregoning, live mixing whenever he wanted to drop things in. Maybe the greatest, might, might be the show that saves the arts industry. I think that's a great idea. And do we get him to specifically tailor it like it's got to be AFL sound bites? Because, okay, in Nathan Buckley style, give me your top five Dragoning sound bites from Hey Hey. So there's Nurse. Um, See, nurse, nurse, nurse is number one for me. Okay. I was like, absolutely, Nurse has got to come in. And this is it's, it's easy in the AFL. If you're Tregoning, maybe you don't have Murray doing all the sound effects. You have like okay. another dude who's doing like, you know, generic boos and, you know, yeah. crowds gasping and people cheering when there's a, a goal scored and that sort of right. stuff. The, the, the general grunt stuff. He comes in for the finesse. Like John Williams right. doesn't com write every note. He has like people who write the bass music. He'll just come in and write the big theme, the, the Imperial March. Yeah. He's the head chef in the kitchen. Yeah. He's really just inspecting the plates and adding some garnish <laughs> before they go out into the restaurant. That's your Tregoning. So, for example, there's a massive collision in the game. One yeah. of the players is injured. Classic nurse situation. That's, yeah. that's you know, the big red end button. <laughs> a nurse that is in fact let's let's make it a nurse button let's just not have a button that says n on it yeah. in these times but um yeah the nurse button would come out very easily okay yeah. so that one that one's easy okay lock in nurse what's the next one okay so i reckon uh for the next q clash you've got to queue up folks are dumb where i come from so firstly we just have the exact same memory of hey hey it's saturday because in order these were the two that i would have started with as well so people yeah. are dumb where i come from just so many opportunities. Folks are dumb. Right? Folks are dumb Folks where, are I, dumb come where from. I come yeah, from. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, firstly, the umpires walking out into the middle. That's just a good one for the crowd at home. You know, the umpires walk out. Folks are dumb where I come from. Okay, easy. Any bad decision that's made during the game, folks are dumb where no, I come but, from. But isn't. But folks are dumb where I come from is specifically was for Jackie McDonald because she was from Queensland. So I think it's got to be reserved just for the Q clash, right? Or for any game involving the Gold Coast or the Brisbane Lions. Like if a player, okay, so like uh, Lincoln McCarthy misses a shot, you know, goes out on the full. Folks are dumb where I come from. Is there a chance that that could be the new Gold Coast Suns theme song? Maybe we're thinking too small. <laughs> Maybe every time it's the Gold Coast theme song, like it's their big, big sound, and it's folks yeah. are dumb where I come from, where the Gold Coast sun. Yeah, but you've got to change the lyrics so it has like a footy meaning, like they do with all the songs, right? So, folks are dumb where I come from, like, um, what would you say? Um, uh, um, uh, games are hard, we haven't won one. <laughs> that doesn't work. <laughs> 
Kyle Michael Hunt can hook you up. <laughs> Our president is a psychopath. <laughs> um, okay, so we've we've got away nurse. We've got away folks nurse, are dumb folks are where dumb. I come from. So two Trigonic classics. Uh, I am. Who, what what comes in third. on third? What, what else did he have? Uh, uh, all right, so what, what would he... Did he okay, uh, Molly would come out. Would he play something with Molly? Was there some kind of homophobic thing you'd play when Molly would come out? Uh, Dicky Knee. Um, did he do like... What else did he do? I can only think of Nurse and Folks Are Dumb. Okay. Are you looking up... Are you literally Googling Murray Tregonning's top five sound bites? <laughs> Um, look, I, I might be. <laughs> so, you know he's got a Google alerts on his computer. He right now he's letting his staff know that someone is googling his name. Um, all right, let's see if I can find. Uh, uh, um, uh, Murray Tregoning adding humorous sound bites. Um, okay. Um, oh, what are the? It doesn't really have a list of what the. Um, uh, oh, hang on. Is I love that. Uh, okay. On. This is from 2009. So it's a, a very long time ago, this link. But uh, um, uh, they're interviewing John Blackman and they're talking about Murray Tregoning and what Murray Tregoning is up to. And they're saying, yes, he has a, his own audiovisual company, which he had at that stage. Yep. And then uh, Murray Tregoning and Associates. So, yeah. So he's got some of the associates doing the crowd noise. That's your associate's sure. job, um, you know, your assistant yeah. coaches. Yeah. But Murray's your, your main man that he goes to. So um, here we go. Murray Tregoning, uh, founded in 1978. So he's been actually doing this audiovisual company for a very long time. By the charismatic man himself. This is on his own website, by the way. By the charismatic he's, he's this, man yeah. himself, <laughs> Murray Tregoning. Having made his name as the lead audio operator for Hey Hey It's Saturday for 22 years of its 28-year record run on Australian TV, he built the company with the main goal of consulting and providing the latest in professional audio communications and teleprompting equipment for the TV broadcasting industry. Okay, yeah, that's fine. But I want to know... Get us to your top five sound What bites, are your top Murray? five sound bites? Come on. Um, you know who would know the answer to this would be uh, Scott Dooley. Yeah. Scott Dooley. <laughs> I think Murray Tregoning is Scott Dooley's default punchline. I've seen him use it so many times. Uh, I do not. I don't. I don't think that I'm going to be able to find it. Um, well, why don't we throw it back to the listeners? We've got a mailbag now, so why don't we? If if you want to mail in with your uh, your favourite Murray Tregoning <laughs> soundbite, we'll see how we can apply it to. I mean, because we've got 17 games to go, so over the course of the of the next few months, let's uh, send us in your favourite Murray Tregoning soundbite, and we'll apply it to a team or a situation. And yes, uh, there is one day until the restart of the AFL season uh, in a historic season where there's been three months off and everybody's built up expectations. And yes, we have spent the first 12 minutes of our podcast about that new season talking about Murray Tregoning. This is Two Guys, One Cup, an AFL podcast. So tell me um, from a Bulldogs perspective. So I've just, you know, I've been dipping my toe back into the world of the Saints. They're starting to put more and more stuff up on their website. What are they Bulldogs doing to kind of get you excited, to get you back into the, the vibe of football? Are they I, doing like behind the scenes documentaries, promo vids, all that kind of stuff? I assume so, but I have no right, idea. Looking. I have not looked at the Bulldogs website. The emails that have been coming to me from the club have been immediately erased. I have just not been taking 
paying any attention. And I'm hoping once the season you, starts again Wait, proper, wait, wait. Wait, what do you mean immediately erased? You're deleting the emails? I'm deleting the emails unread. Right. Why don't you just not read them? <laughs> Why do you have to delete them? Well, I mean, because I'm a deleter of everything in the emails I get. I like to have an empty inbox. So, like... Oh. Yeah, I like to immediately... So, you de- put them in the trash? I put them in the trash, yeah, in case I've made a mistake and have to look them up again. But then eventually I'll go through and I'll uh, empty out the trash as well. I like to clean up. I like to Murray Kondo right. my emails. And at the moment, you know, in this new world in which we live, Charlie, there's been some emails that in the past I might have opened up and had a look at that have just gone immediately into the trash. Well, look, let's talk about some actual football news. So the only thing that I really paid attention to the last couple of weeks was the uh, Hall of Fame. Uh, so Lenny Hayes was inducted, uh, Jonathan Brown, John Kennedy became a Hall of Fame legend. How do you feel about Halls of Fame in general? I mean, is there an actual hall? I don't know. <laughs> I was wondering that myself. I'd like, I'd like there to be an actual hall. That was, I mean, there may well be an actual hall, but if there is an actual hall, why am I not, why haven't I walked through this hall? That's the sort of thing that somebody like me, maybe there's been an email from my club and I immediately erased it. Hey, come down and check out the Hall of Fame. But if there is an actual hall, and if it was the sort of hall where you could go by the people who've been inducted into the Hall of Fame and say, push a button on the wall and watch a selection of their highlights or get to learn, you know, about their career and their contribution to the game. I quite like that. I like the idea of, you know, so this week I listened to Tony Wilson has a podcast, Speakola. He's... uh, you know, he, he has a website that's all about great speeches that have been, well, not great, big and small speeches that have been made throughout history. And he started a podcast and Tony's just written a book about the 1989 grand final. And so he just did a little audio documentary out of that about the capacity for um, Alan Jeans to make you know, speeches, and he, he talked to J- John Kennedy Jr., who had spoken at Alan Jeans's, uh, you know, eulogy, and and it was just really fantastic because they were just recreating one particular grand final speech. Was really all this was about, but it gave you a, a much deeper understanding of that era of football, about the personalities involved, and about Alan Jeans, and then not just Alan Jeans, about you know John Kennedy and John Kennedy Senior, and the long line of history that was there at the Hawthorne Football Club. So. I do like it because it gives you an opportunity to reflect on the history of the game and the people who contributed so much to it, I think. Well, the John Kennedy thing was interesting too because I'd sort of had paid attention. John Kennedy was a little before my time. So I think by the time I was into football, he was coaching North Melbourne or he Mm -hmm. was involved with North Melbourne at some point. And so I didn't really realise that he was kind of, uh, you know, this royalty. The Kennedy and his son, uh, you know, five-time premiership player at Hawthorne as well. And then Josh, uh, his grandson, and the controversy around Josh Kennedy getting traded to Sydney. Were you aware of that, that that was like this huge kind of uh, controversy at Hawthorne? The fact that they let the grandson of the great John Kennedy go to Sydney. Not only let him go, but he went on to become like a premiership player uh, at the Swans. It it was massive at the time. I do remember it because, uh, you know, that's a famous name at the Hawthorne Football Club. Mm. And it's not like he was a dud. It's not like he just had a famous name and he was, you know, the 18th or 19th best player on the list. Although some would tell you back then perhaps maybe he was, you know, not what they Mm. needed at the time. And he just, you know, needed a different circumstance and perhaps to be out from under, you know, the history of his famous name at that club to go and, you know, form his own career and his own identity. But I do remember 
that John Kennedy Senior, I believe this is the right story, uh, barrack for Horton against yes. Sydney in the grand final. <laughs> His <laughs> like, grandson. Exactly. Grandpa, come on. Well, apparently the choice came down because uh, Travis Tuck, son of Michael, mm. and Josh Kennedy, grandson of John, were both on the list at the same time. And when Alistair Clarkson decided he had to make his list changes, like, well, we're going to have to get rid of one, like, son of legend or, or, you know, descendant of a legend. And so they decided to keep Travis Tuck. Mm. I mean, no offence to Travis Tuck. I'm sure he had a fairly serviceable career, but, oh, jeez. I mean, notable for being, you know, we'll go down in the history of the game for being the first person who had the three strikes under the AFL's three strikes. So I yeah. guess yeah. a historic name in his own way. <laughs> I mean, it really went on to hurt the Hawks. That's the damaging part is they let go of Josh Kennedy and then they all just mm. fell on a hate Hawthorne. Well, that's that's also the thing, which is maybe they would not have had that same success with just because he is perhaps a better player than some of the players that were, you know, instrumental in their success. Often he was just as good a player as those legendary champion players. Like if you were going to swap out you know, say you had to swap out a Sam Mitchell or a Luke Hodge or, you know, those sort of players for a Josh Kennedy, you're not getting better or worse value out of that situation. They are all players of a similar calibre. Yeah. I mean, they were talking on this podcast I was listening to about um, the great AFL family dynasties and they're saying like Kennedy would be right up there. And they, I can't remember the other two they mentioned, but the Danahers didn't get a mention and I was surprised about that. Then I was like, oh, I wonder if that has to do with the fact of where Joe Danaher is sitting now? Because you, you think Essendon when you hear the name Danaher, don't you? Maybe there's a little bit of a Sydney kind of association, but they are they are a, a, a Bombers family, the Danahers. Yeah, absolutely they are. And, you know, the Bulldogs are a team that, you know, is quite heavily invested in generational um, legacy. You know, a lot of the great Bulldogs players have been part of family dynasties and, you know, that sort of idea of going, you know, whether it be, I mean, at the moment we've got like, yeah, four or five father sons like in our team at the moment. So that idea that you have, yeah, a continuity of history of a particular family associated with the club. When you hear the name Danaher, you think of Essendon, absolutely. And there are not just when you hear that name, do you think of Essendon? I mean, you know, Neil, you know, coached Melbourne, and you think of that a bit, and you think of mm. the Sydney connection with Anthony, and you know, and I understand that there are other aspects to it, but. There are rare bigger names at Essendon than Danaher as well. It's not just that you think of Essendon when you say Danaher. When you think of Essendon, you think of Danaher. Well, who would be, like, if of the modern footballers, what would be an equivalent kind of controversy? If, um, if Jack Silvani got traded, for instance, do you think that would, be, that would be on equal pairing because of the standing of Sauce? No. And Serge? I do not believe it would be, no. Because, is that just because they treat they treat sauce so badly anyway? I think <laughs> on, obviously. I think it's been a complicated history, um, but I also just think that Jack has has been there kind of for long enough and hasn't shown that incredible value to what it is that they do. Now, if Jack went away to another team and suddenly became like a top twenty in the AFL player, then yes, probably retrospectively they would just be like, yeah. "What did we do? This is a tragedy for the club." But I think that there are some other people. I think that you know, Jack Silvani feels a bit more like Josh Kennedy to me in that both the yeah. club and he himself would do better if he was at a different club. So is there, is there a player, like a father-son, that you think would be like 
uh, is just an untouchable trade, not because necessarily the quality of the player, but because of the name. I mean, even Ablett wasn't untouchable. He went to Gold Coast. Is there any? Is there any father son? Who's the most prominent father son at the moment besides Gary Junior? Uh, um, is it uh, Moore? Darcy Moore? Would he I be? mean, Darcy Moore is probably the most high profile, and because you know Peter Moore was such a and is valued fantastic player. Yeah, I mean, when Libba was going to leave the Bulldogs, that felt like a really big thing. You know, oh yeah, it would. It's, that's weird. It's weird to hear Libertore in any other for any other team. It's such a Bulldogs surname. Because of the demographic of the western suburbs of Melbourne, but also because of you know uh, Tony, the, the the kind of player he was, and he he seemed to encapsulate all that bulldog spirit. And Tom sort of does that as well. So you're right, that would be that would be strange. Do you think it w- it would gut bulldog supporters if he was traded? Um, no, I, <laughs> get I, rid of that no, tattooed idiot. <laughs> I think at the time the reason that he stayed is because there was an affection for him to stay, rather than you know it being a particularly you know, a decision one way or the other. I think the thing that made him stay in the end was that he felt family loyalty and the club wanted to keep him because of, you know, his association and that role he played with the team. So, I think, I look, yeah, it's hard. we're probably missing somebody really obvious, but... Um, mm, that's this show. Yeah, <laughs> we missed the yeah, obvious. That's what we do. Sorry, yeah. Sorry, I forgot where we were for a second. Two guys, one cup. Let's get back to Murray Dragoni. <laughs> There was a player who came to St Kilda, uh, like in the mid sort of uh, teens, uh, who was Nicky Winmar's cousin or second cousin, and his name was Nicholas Winmar. Like he had exactly the same surname, and uh, he was like a sort of rangy kind of wingman, a bit of a Ryan Griffin type. Um, he only played like a couple of games, but I always wondered, did they just draft him because his name was Nick Winmar? <laughs> Like, it's like we have to get another Winmar back to St Kilda. It'll be great for marketing. I mean, both Brown and Dacos, who went through Collingwood, had to go through Collingwood because they were such iconic people. Dacos yeah. is still at Collingwood, but he hasn't really established himself as like a... He's pretty young list. still, though, isn't he? He's about, No, he, and absolutely, he's, he's still very young. I think if another club expressed a lot of interest in Dacos, there'd be a big conversation at Collingwood about his value in the team versus the value of the Dacos name to Collingwood. Well, it also feels like it's just that kind of professional era of AFL anyway. I guess since free agency, the idea of loyalty and being one couple of club players, it's not as um, as uh, respected or uh, as admired as it used to be maybe even 10 years ago. And I think players move around all the time and people completely understand they're professional athletes. They've got to, you know, make as much money as they can, you know, in a very limited time. But I think if, you know, Nick Revolt's got three boys and I'm just like, I've got a calendar set for the next 16 years. I'm like, great. How soon can we get a Revolt? But if Nick Revolt's kids ended up playing for someone else or turned out to be no good, which when you realise how hard Nick Revolt worked to get the most out of himself, chances are his sons probably won't be at that level. And, you know, I think they've probably... I saw a, a video um, uh, Nick shot in his backyard the other day and it's like, oh, my God, how much money did he make playing football? He's done really, really well. Yeah, uh, it was not uh, a very good um, sign that his kids were really good at football because even though they're really little at the moment, he did add an extra chapter to his book to compare their playing style to Rhys Stanley's. And I felt like that was completely out of <laughs> order. Uncalled for. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to the first uh, AFL player who's not only a father-son, but he's also a stepfather-son. 
Because we're in a modern time now mm. where people go through more yeah. than one marriage and there's got to be statistically somebody who at some stage, like, you know, an AFL player splits up from their wife and the wife, you know, uh, marries another AFL player and we get our first father-son, stepfather-son AFL player. Do you think that, can that work? Can you be a father-stepson? Like if you are someone who's playing, so what, it's 100 games minimum, right, to be yeah. a father-son? Yeah. So if you are, you know, you're an AFL player and you meet someone who had a child from another marriage, uh, you know, you take the, you, you, you start a family with that, that new family and you raise that kid, you know, maybe it's a daughter, maybe it's a son, you know, you teach them everything you know about football and they become a superstar. Does that club then get the father-son entitlement? Yeah, does the kid get to nominate who they think is their real dad? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yes, I could go to North Melbourne because it's his seed that made me. But i got to be honest with you, it was the Gold Coast Suns that raised me. And I've, I feel like I've got to go there. Um, let's talk about football for a second because we mm. probably should. Spice. Do you reckon you can remember any of the results of round one? Like if I went through yes, them. one of I'm them. Gonna, are you, are you, <laughs> I'd like to not, but I've had to think about it for fucking three months. I mean, all right, here we go. I'm going to go through the games. You tell me who won. Okay, great. I know you know that. Okay. So um, who won out of uh, Richmond and Carlton? Richmond. You remember the margin? Uh, it wasn't much in the end, but it was an absolute shellacking, the actual game. But Carlton scored, I reckon it was probably only about 15 or 20 points in the end. 24 points. Okay. And then you know that, uh, geez, God, you guys got humiliated by the party. <laughs> yeah, no shit. No wonder I've erased oh God, every fucking email from the club. <laughs> it's probably just a series of apologies from the players going, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I know our performance was the only thing that was worse than a global pandemic. Oh, this is awful. You guys, how many, you didn't even kick five goals for the game. I know. That's embarrassing. Yeah. I'm just looking at the stats for this match. This is terrible. I mean, it's... Oh, Will, Jesus Christ, no wonder. Yeah, I don't, think, I don't think we will have a list because I think that actually everybody from the club just walked into the ocean. They went to do a recovery, <laughs> recovery session and the boys never came back to shore. They just kept walking. Can you remember who won uh, between the Bombers and Frio? I cannot. I have absolutely no idea. I'm going to say the Bombers. By how much? No idea. Uh, f- one, 40 points. One, one straight kick. It was uh, <laughs> one goal. Um, okay, what about the Adelaide Crows? <laughs> Shit, the Adelaide Crows. I mean, all you want in a really difficult season <laughs> is just, just like less media attention. You just don't want to bring any attention to yourselves. You know there might be some cameras down at training. So guys, just... Stick to, your, stick to your roles. Just like keep your heads down. We've had a lot of bad press the last six months. Let's not... Oh, good. You want to punch on? <laughs> Great. Fantastic. What they really obviously had in their office was a whiteboard that says, nothing has ever gone wrong at a camp. So firstly, let's get to camp. I'm sure that's our safe space. Oh, hang on. There's way too many of us together. We run the risk of losing, you know, a game and, you know, massive fines. In the end, they didn't... They really got off pretty lightly for what it is they've done. They've got people punching on at training at the club. You're just like, dudes, like this is this is like a year off for you. What are you stressed about? Like yeah. this is, Adelaide's one of those teams, you're clearly in a rebuild. You've got a whole bunch of new players. You've got to start again to rebuild what it is. They're one of the clubs that should have appreciated this time more than any other club because it gives you an extra three months to settle everybody together. It gives you a real shot at actually you know, doing something because in a 17, you know, game season, you never know what could actually happen. And, but also 
if it is the terrible season that you're probably going to have regardless because of the state of your list and everything that's been going on, it's only 17 games and it's going to be over. Yeah. And nobody's really going to harshly judge teams this year. This, this Adelaide should have been the most relaxed place to be of almost all the clubs. Yeah. I've never seen people from Adelaide this angry since the milk bar ran out of Farmers Union. <laughs> Uh, who won that match? Sydney and, and, and the Crows. I think Sydney nearly did, but Adelaide just got them in the end. It was the other way around. <sighs> Adelaide nearly won, but Sydney got them in the end. I mean, right. you should have known that. Like in the year that they're having, or the 12 months, or the 18 months, or the, since the 2016 that the Crows have been having, that, that seems about right. Um, what about the Giants and the Cats? Who won that game? Uh, the Giants and the Cats. And it was at Geelong? Giants Stadium. Uh, no. Okay. Um, well, I'm guessing that the Giants won then. That's right, by 32 points. Uh, and what about uh, the Suns and Port Adelaide up on the Gold Coast? Well, I'm imagining that Port Adelaide won. Yeah, quite handily in the end uh, by, what was it, Seven, almost 50 points. Uh, the Kangaroos and the Saints played, so that's good. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that is literally one of those games that would have similar attendances to the games this weekend. Kangaroos versus yeah. St Kilda. Was it, is, was it in Tasmania? No, it was uh, the sexy time slot of Sunday at 1pm at Etihad. Uh, did did uh, North Melbourne win? Yes, they did. They came from behind and pipped us by two points. Hawks versus the Lions. Uh, oh, Hawks. Very convincing Hawthorne, ran out 28-point victors. And then finally, West Coast and the Demons over in Perth. I think we know how you know, you know how that went down. I do remember that one. So, uh, yeah, so West Coast won that. So I, I guess most of those. I have actually little to know. I didn't watch any of those games, basically. I stopped watching football. I watched the first game and then I watched some of the Bulldogs game and then I stopped watching football for three months. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> I mean, has there been any football media that you've enjoyed more or that has surprised you by, oh, okay, you know, I can enjoy this without having been connected to actual games? No. I have right. consumed nothing to do with the AFL. I, I really haven't. I mean, I've even uh, not listened to the latest couple of junk times and I normally listen to them straight away, one of my favourite podcasts, you know, but... Just because my lack of interest in hearing about AFL, I've also just had a lack of interest in consuming any of that media around the AFL. In fact, every time I see an AFL story go across my timeline, it's always something really shitty or something that I'm yeah. just like, oh, that's all the stuff that I actually hate about the game. You know, these are all the issues. And, I, I, you know, the, anyway, I might be wrong because I'm clearly not looking for it, but that's what I'm seeing. Are you trying to say that Max Gorn's haircut isn't a big story? I mean, that was a classic example because I did see that that became a fucking issue, which, which was like, this is how bored we are. This is how out of <laughs> things that we have to, like, I, there's no harsher critic of the Melbourne Football Club than me, but that is the most fucking ridiculous story I've ever seen in my entire life, particularly at the moment when everyone's watching The Last Dance about the legacy of the fucking Chicago Bulls. And Dennis Rodman, like, has a different fucking haircut every week and then goes to Vegas for a week, just disappears to fucking Vegas for a week. And they sort it out and they get back to winning championships. It's such a ridiculous thing to say. And particularly, who knows what the role of captains are 
during a quarantine, during a lockdown. I talked about the fact that Adelaide, you know, needed to be relaxed. Well, Max Gorn, the captain having like dyed hair and them having fun seems to me like a club that's feeling a bit relaxed and that's the leader's role to kind of lighten the mood and, you know, be the one out there. I just thought that was fucking ridiculous. And particularly to come from Hutchie, who has no hair, like just not a guy. It's not your area, mate. Like stick to your fucking lane. Hair commentary always comes from a place of bitterness from a bald man. (laughs) Yeah. And look, as I've brought up on this show many times before, I once saw Hutchie trying to pash a girl outside Eve Nightclub and it was one of the most horrifying things I've ever seen. So I think when it comes to how you present yourself in public, you know, take a long, hard look at yourself. The way you presented yourself in that alleyway outside Eve Nightclub was gross. It was the <laughs> grossest thing I've ever seen. That would be great if... I, I don't know who Hutchie was on air with when he made that comment, but say he's on um, uh, with Caroline Wilson. <laughs> And Caro's yeah. warming up her arrow and Hutchie rolls yeah. out, Max Gorn shouldn't have pink hair. And then Caro goes, well, I heard from a pretty good source that one night outside Eve Nightclub, you were trying to bash a girl by the bins. And yes. you maybe you should take a good hard look at yourself, Hutchie, says Caro. You're, you're in my arrow. My arrow is to that bin that you were standing by trying to bash that girl outside Eve, Eve Nightclub. He's an interesting one, Hutch, isn't he? The way he snuck up to become this kind of media mogul. Because I sort of remember when he started off just being like a sports journalist. And then the way he's slowly sort of acquired Croc Media and putting out more and more stuff. Like he's slowly edging his way up into that kind of media mogul territory, isn't he? By focusing specifically on Australia's obsession with sport. I think that he gets it. I will say that. Like I think that Hutchie is a great advocate for things being bigger and better and more exciting and, you know, having our own ownership and adding different voices to the market, all those things. I I do get the impression that also he's one of those guys who, and many great businessmen or at least successful businessmen uh, of this mindset, which is it's always forward momentum. And you do worry with those sort of people that sometimes maybe the house of cards might not be built on the greatest of all foundations and it could all fall apart at some stage. But I hope that's not true because nobody gains anything from, you know, people who are employing people and adding to the game, failing in those situations. So I do Mm. love his ruthless ambition and I do love that he looks to America in a good way, I think, a lot of the time for guidance. And he's hired some really good people and he backs them and he understands digital media. But all that said... I don't think that erases the fact that you saw him trying to pass someone by the bins outside Eve Nightclub. (laughs) I mean, just occasionally something gets stuck in your mind. It's like a splinter in the mind's eye and you cannot shake it. No matter what he does for the rest of his life, I will always see him slobbering over some girl (laughs) in an alley by the bins outside Eve Nightclub. Hey, do you want to get to some mail, Will? Our bag is filled up in the time we've had off. Great. Um, this first one, it's not really a, a letter from a listener, but I thought it was funny to read. It's from uh, Maxwell Rich. Hello, Sales. My name is Maxwell Rich, and I would like to know if you carry striking bag in stock for sale. Please contact me back when the models and pricing for the striking bag. Thank you, and we'll wait to hear from you soon. Best regards, Maxwell Rich. So a guy has contacted two guys, one cup looking for a striking bag. <laughs> what should we write back? Let's send him a fucking striking bag. Let's put out a two guys, one cup. Maybe that's how we should do merchandise for this podcast. Specific uh, merchandise that is requested 
by that person and then we just spend all our time and resources <laughs> creating that one piece of original merchandise for that person. I, I, I like it. I think it's memorabilia. That's what we're really doing. We're getting into the memorabilia game. So, well, I mean, this is a guy who can afford to pay for it too because his name is Max Rich. Like this is, Max this rich. is how rich this guy is. He's not minimum rich. He is yeah. Max Rich. So what faces could you put on... The punching bag, the striking bag. I mean, Kane Corn did have to go up there, right? Like well, that's what you twerps. do. You, you do a twerps edition. You do a range <laughs> of striking bags that with, you know what it is? It's perhaps even the person that week, rather than just like hitting somebody without, it, it kind of, it's tribunal themed. So basically, oh, yes. we send out the striking that's bag, great. but then you can print out somebody who's like, you know, uh, yeah, and you can recreate an incident at home. Yeah, who's the number one enforcer in the game today? Like, who's the modern day Reese Jones? Who's the modern day Berriton? Ben Cunnington? Does he get rubbed out much? I don't know if he gets rubbed out much, but he feels like a bit of an enforcer to me. I did get sent an article the other day that was very uh, Ben Cunnington because it turns out that Ben Cunnington, uh, as well as loving farming, you know what he also loves, and this is just so on brand for Ben Cunnington. Uh, what's what's his other passion? What's he been up to? While we've been is it on to our do break with, with coronavirus. Is, is, it, is it to do with the outdoors and working with his hands? It has to do with the outdoors and working with his hands. Of course it does because his name is fucking Ben Cunnington. Um, I reckon uh, lumberjacking. Here's an article from the, uh, the Standard, uh, which is a local uh, newspaper, a local country newspaper. Uh, the Standard starts with Ben Cunnington. Is proud of his country roots. Yeah. No shit. No shit. He had a ute. <laughs> I mean, not the, not the, <laughs> not the roots on his head though. Yeah. I'm gonna be honest with you, that he's, the he's covered those up the with ute. the boys down at Advance Hair. <laughs> so, Ben Cunnington's proud of his country roots. Amanda, Jeanette, <laughs> no, um, Kylie, the, the North, the North Melbourne midfielder, who grew up on a dairy farm in Princetown and played at both Timboon Demons. And Cobden says escaping the country with his wife, Belinda, and two children. Escaping to the country yeah. with his wife, Belinda, and two children is a welcome release. Cunnington, known for his media shy persona, opened up on the challenges of city life in a rare column for the Sunday Herald Sun. All right. Here we go. If I had a choice, I wouldn't be here in the city, he wrote. But I've settled a lot more now having my own family. We live in Altona. A nice house with a big backyard. It's on the right side of the city to nip home to the country. <laughs> Man, this, like Ben Cunnington is like if John Williamson wrote an <laughs> AFL footballer. Yeah. Belinda and I were brought up in the country on dairy farms in the fresh air. Oh my God, he's just like you, Will. You and Ben Cunnington are two peas in a pod. <laughs> the world really is your oyster. And you make your own fun. Is that right? <laughs> you can you can verify this. Is that true? We're growing up on a dairy farm. Was no, the world like, your oyster? You definitely have to outsource fun. <laughs> <laughs> we had the best upbringing, and want that for our children. They love it, which is great. Now, what are his kids' names? Let's have a little guess of what Ben Cunnington's called his kids. So he's got are a they, boy and a girl. Are they normal? Like, um, are they common, like James, Michael, like classical Anglo names, or are they a bit more not, bogan? Not as old school and traditional, 
as you would think that Ben Cunnington would say. Not in your sort of Elon Musk range either. Okay. But just a little bit fancier than you would have thought. What's Ben Cunnington's version of Elon Musk? Okay. Well, give me um, give me the first letter of the boy. Are they boy and girl? Boy, two boys. What yeah, are they? boy and a girl. The boy. Okay. This this should be a good clue. First Starts letter. With an X. Z- Xavier. I mean, that's good. Xavier. Be it, right? Or X-ray. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've been reading a lot of kids' books lately, and when you get to X, they always default to X-Ray. 4X. His boy's name is 4X after the beer. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Xavier, I imagine after Dr. Xavier from the X-Men. And uh, then uh, the girl's name starts with S. Um, uh, Sophia? Uh, You're in a good area. It ends with Uh, an A. Okay. Um, Serena? Selena? Nah. Stella. Ah, uh, Stella. Makes sense. Uh, okay, so Xavier and Stella want to go to the farm as much as they can, run around in the dirt and be free and not restricted. <laughs> I, love, I, I, can't, I can't get enough of Ben Cunnington. Becoming a father. <laughs> Hang on, is, is he talking about thing. his kids or is he talking about animals? Well, I can't go cooking livestock. They need to be running. Get them out there in free. the bloody dirt. Yeah. <laughs> then I milk them and I yeah. shear them. <laughs> Becoming a father. <laughs> It's the most special thing that's happening in my life because I play for North Melbourne. To be a father of two beautiful children and to give them the best upbringing and opportunities they could ask for is what I live and strive for. So beautiful. Now, when the 28-year-old can't nip home, and I need to say 28-year-old because mm. Ben Cunnington looks like my dad and I'm 46. Yeah. And so hang on, um, where is, I missed the bit, where's he from? Where'd he grow up or where's, where's home? Uh, home is that, I imagine like Cobden, basically, okay, so Cobden. he's saying like that right. sort of area, Timboon, okay. Cobden. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> when the 28 year old can't nip home, fishing is the oh, next best out there. Of course, they all love fishing. Uh, it's helped elevate his game to new what? heights. No, it hasn't. <laughs> This is not true. In the interest of balance, an, ind- an unnamed St Kilda source said, no, it hasn't. <laughs> Unless he's playing against Paul Salmon. <laughs> I doubt it's had any influence. Uh, the Sid Barker medalist who turned in a career best season in 2019 said being on the water helped to produce produce his best football. I really struggled with homesickness the first couple of years in Melbourne, still do. And my career, at the time, not going as I'd planned, made it worse. As things got hard in Melbourne, I turned to fishing to find answers and settle myself so I could escape city life and concentrate on my footy. Fishing is a passion that I started when I was three and a half years old, back home with the old man, Alan, Catching eels. Bare hands, and got serious. I reckon. <laughs> I, reckon he just, I reckon his dad just held him by the ankles and just like dunked him in the water and young Ben would pop up with a fish between his teeth. <laughs> you grab one of those fucking eels, son. That's how he got so good with the slippery ball inside. Yeah. <laughs> All those days dunked upside down in water catching eels with his dad. Um, and then Pop, Peter... And I would go every weekend, chasing brim. Nothing better than chasing some brim with your pop. Yeah. I love this. He's, he's he is such a clean cut. 
Is Peter his um, brother or something? Peter Cunnington. No, he's uh, his granddad. Right. To this day, fishing is my life. Oh. Now, what I love is if you replaced, like, you know, there's been a few AFL interviews about people who lost their way, you know, either mm. you know, during their AFL careers or post-AFL careers, particularly around drugs. If you just replace the word <laughs> fishing with the word meth in this, this would read like one of those confessions where people are like, I was just having a hard time in the city and so I just turned to meth. You know, meth, meth was my life. I can't get enough of it. I struggled a bit with this whole virus thing, not being able to get some meth. <laughs> not a day goes by that I don't think about it, he says. Wow. I'm fishing. Yeah. So there you go. Ben he, should get on, um, he should go on Danger's fishing show. I mean, that'd be great, wouldn't it? Do you think that maybe Ben Cunnington is not as media shy as we're led to believe? Because we can find plenty of articles about him. I think... I feel like he turned a corner with the advanced hair thing. I don't. I think now it's just become an angle that he's pushing. You know, like I think that people are fascinated with this. You know, man in the wilderness who only has like a Nokia fifty one ten or whatever it is. And so I think he's using that now. He's leveraging that. Ironically, he's getting more press than ever by the fact that he's not into. He's trying to avoid the spotlight. That's his. He, that's his angle. Angle. 100%. He's the the recluse. So he's trying to get a. Sorry, an angle or an angler uh, when it comes to his fishing. But yeah, no, this is that, absolutely. That's what's fascinating about him. He's the reclusive type and they're playing that up. He probably has like an iPhone 12. Probably got it for the, the great pixels. He's probably conning us all. He's just feeding us this line about being a country guy. Uh, ben wrote into us saying, uh, subject line, Eastern wood, Eastern uh, hyphen wood, mouth guard removal on shots at goal. Hi there, single cuppers. In this time of isolation and reflection, two pressing AFL-adjacent matters have been eating away at me like so much flesh-eating disease. Uh, one, Easton Wood. For as long as I can recall in broadcast, he has been referred to by his full name, Easton Wood, while every other player is apparently easily identifiable with just their surname. As a result, I thought there has to be a hyphen between Easton and Wood, but no, it's his full name. Hoping a dog supporter can shed some light on this largely inconsequential issue. Would you like to weigh in on Easton Wood? Is he always Easton Wood? He's never Wood, is he? Yes. What's his nickname? Never Wood, barely Easton. I'm going to look it up. Oh, come on. Well, let's, let, let's use our imagination, Will. In footy club okay. logic, Easton... I'll look it up and... Okay, I'll have a go. Yeah. Wood? Yeah, well, I, won't get, I won't look at it. We'll okay. work it wood, out first. Trees. Wood, woody. <laughs> wood, trees, um, birds... Bird shit. Bird shit. <laughs> Wood. Woody. Toy Story. Mr. Potato Head. Head job. Nose head job. <laughs> Wood. Wouldn't. Shouldn't. Couldn't. Can't. His name's Can't. Uh, Edward. Wood. Woodwood. Edward Woodwood. <laughs> Edward. Ed. The equaliser. Mr. Ed. <laughs> um, all right, here we go. Easton Wood. Nickname. <laughs> we actually did get his nickname. We yep. correctly identified his nickname, Woody. which is Woody. Yeah, correct. Woody, yeah. <laughs> Fucking hell. First the Bulldogs, the Bulldogs, someone needs to go down to the Witten Oval and just teach the Bulldogs how to give a proper nickname. That is lazy. AFL club supported as a kid, Richmond. Best moment in junior footy. Oranges at halftime. And an excuse to slide in the mud. He should get down to Ben Cunnington's farm with the kids. <laughs> Just run around. Have a great time. Before the game, 
I always take the dog for a walk and get a coffee. I can confirm 100% that that is true because Easton Wood and I lived in the same neighborhood in Melbourne and I would often see him uh, walking the dog, uh, often with his wife and their child and getting a coffee and uh, actually saw him in the lead up to the Bulldogs Collingwood game the night before the game. So uh, game was the next day. Um, no, no, it was that day because I talked to him about the Collingwood-Richmond game. So literally saw him on the day of that Bulldogs-Collingwood uh, game, uh, having a walk around the neighbourhood. We stood 10 metres apart and shouted at each other because it was <laughs> the midst of COVID at the time and I didn't want to be the person responsible for infecting the, you know, the former captain, the premiership captain of the Western Bulldogs. Already spent, spilt champagne down his back on grand final night. So I think that's one strike. I didn't want a second strike. <laughs> Um, but absolutely, that is what he do. Uh, I know that to be true. Um, <clears throat> as a footballer, how would you like to be remembered? What does Easton Wood say to that question? Um, for giving the best hugs. Honest. He just wants to be honest, man. Oh, man, all these bloody humble footballers. Uh, what do you do on your days off? Take the dog for a walk? Loves his dog. He's very <laughs> straight up and down. This is what I will say about Easton Wood. <laughs> It's not a lot of crazy, wacky answers he's put in there for the boys to laugh at. Um, how do you amuse yourself on a plane flight during the footy season? Ma oh, God, ma Easter. Masturbate. Um, watch whatever TV series I'm into at that point. <laughs> oh, my God. This most boring interview I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> okay. If you could swap jobs with someone, who would it be? This is an interesting answer. Um... Uh, he would swap with uh, the Dalai Lama because he would like to spread uh, a message of peace around the world. An astronaut. Any astronaut, Easton? <laughs> well, I guess you'd want one probably. You should specify because you'd actually want one that's going to space, yeah. I imagine. You don't yeah. want to be that astronaut yeah. who like put a nappy on and drove across America because she was having an affair <laughs> with another astronaut. Oh, no, that's the one. That's specifically the astronaut I want to be. That's the one. Uh, yeah. I, spe I specifically want to be able to shit my pants uh, without having to go to the toilet. Just want to stay in a nappy all day. I walk my dog. I see my dog shit wherever my dog wants to shit. I have to pick it up. Why can't I just have a giant nappy and wear it around? Um, um, childhood hero. I uh, back for Richmond, so I would say. Oh, God, I don't know. Is he too young for Matthew? No, it's oh. a it's a movie. It's a, mo a movie hero. Oh, uh, John McClane. Young young boy. No, I think he's clean cut. He's the hero of the story. Ma Marty, Mc Marty McFly? Luke no. Skywalker. Oh, what? No, Luke Skywalker is no one's favourite character. Oh. This is, Easton Wood is bland, man. <laughs> What's his favourite? Easton wouldn't listen to him talk <laughs> on any subject. What's his favourite food? Um, white toast with no <laughs> condiments. <laughs> Lightly toasted. The blandest white bread Lightly toasted, dry, dry, white toast with no condiments. That's his favourite meal. With a side of white rice. Eggs Benedict. Ooh. <laughs> Easton's fucking getting crazy up in here. Uh, all right. So um, Easton Wood is always referred uh, to as Easton Wood. Um, rarely as Wood in commentary. Um, rarely as Easton, even though that is a very identifiable name. Because if you actually said... Easton, everybody would actually understand immediately who you're talking about. Yeah, I don't. There's no other Eastons in the league as well. It it's, just sounds good. 
I think it's just the sibilance of it, right? Like it's just Eastern, Eastern Wood. Woods. East, yeah. It's like Ebenezer Good, you know, Eastern Good, Eastern Wood. Eastern Wood, <laughs> Eastern Wood. He's Eastern Wood. The most boring man on the face of the planet. <laughs> Eastern Wood, Eastern Wood. Benedict, Benedict. He's got no good stories. Eastern Wood, Love Eastern Wood. Benedict. Walk the dog, walk the dog. Uh, ben, uh, ben has a second part to his question. Um, whilst watching a game with my illustrious wife, she commented on a player that removed his mouth guard when lining up to mm. kick a goal. She remarked that it was a strange and unhygienic thing to do and she was curious as to how common this ritual was. I told her basically every player did this when taking a shot for goal and that the device ended up either in a player's shorts or socks. It's got me thinking, what in what way does a mouth guard impede the chances of successfully guiding a ball through the big sticks? Love the show. Play on, not 15, Ben. Uh, that's a good question. I seem to remember in my junior footy days that no one took them out. The mouth guard would stay in all the time, even when you're having a shot for goal. Do you think it's about getting breath in? Because, you know, you see them sort of take their 20 seconds and take a deep breath. And so if you take the mouth guard out, you can suck more air back. I, I think that that's probably part of it. I think that part of it would be, I imagine when they practice goal kicking, they don't put their mouth guards in. I think if you're just doing a goal-kicking drill at training or whatever, so there is an aspect of them kicking for goal that feels more natural if they don't have their mouth guard in. It makes no real sense yeah. to me because, like, like they, it is always their shorts or their sock or whatever, and you think, isn't that going to put you off more than... You're meant to be perfectly balanced in this moment. I imagine having your mouth guard in would yeah. aid with that perfect balance, but so many of them do it that... I think that it's got to be about the fact that when they're practicing kicking for goal, they don't have their mouth guards in. And then the second thing would be, um, I think it's a little bit like turning down the radio when you're trying to reverse your car or find a, an <laughs> find address. A park. Like yeah. it, there's no yeah. scientific reason why it should work, but there just seems to be a belief that it is the way to do it. Yeah, well, the last thing you probably want when you're running into goal is like your mouth filling with saliva or having something getting stuck in the back of your throat or something like that. That makes sense to me. Uh, this is from Zach, the AFL narc list. Hi, Will and Charlie. I'm an Aussie exiled in Sweden at the moment during the current pandemic. No need for me to request suggestions of which team I should barrack for as per previous international mailbaggers. I enjoy booing, launching tirades in relation to Victorian bias and winning. So I'm pretty content with West Coast as my selection. Anyway, I was going to try to get him interested in a team from Adelaide that uh, are probably looking for supporters <laughs> right now. But yeah, West Coast, that'll do. Anyway, I uh, stumbled upon your podcast while trying to stave off boredom and hunting around for AFL content during the break. Nevertheless, I've continued to listen to your pod and found your associated Tofop podcast now too. I've been enjoying your AFL lists and wondered if you'd be keen to have a crack at an AFL narc list after the recent revelation of Charlie's narc bin behaviour on TOEFOP. Bonus points if you cast aspersions as to what facets of life each team's narc would relate to. Say, stay safe and keep churning out material. Zach, who do you think are the narcs? I mean, it's a real kind of honour code in the AFL, isn't it? Like, go to the tribunal, don't dob anyone in. I'm not sure that there are many narcs. There's the occasional narc. And when it happens, there still is that code. Even though we're a nation of dobbers, during this coronavirus, there were so many calls dobbing people in for not doing the right thing in Australia. So technically, we should be on the umpire's side. We are the narcs. We like to think of ourselves as not being narcs, but we actually, we are we are narcs. I'd like to take this a step further. Rather than actually thinking of specific instances of narkiness, I just want you to go through, and who do you get a sense, like, you know, like you're you know, calling the 
who, who in each team just has a general level of narkiness in their real life? Who do you get a sense might be the sort of person who get angry okay, at local a real narc. Yeah, so if it was like a if it was like a movie, like a heist movie, which person will be the one that's going to break ranks and like you know sell out to the cops? Who is the uh, who is the Joey Pantolino from Matrix? Who's the one who's going to sell you out to Agent Smith? Um, all right, let's look at the teams. I'll just bring up the AFL app. We can go through, or we can go through alphabetically if okay. we want. Um, okay, Adelaide. Adelaide. <laughs> who's the narc at Adelaide? I mean, well, it, Josh Jenkins. I mean, he's not at Adelaide anymore, but Josh Jenkins was your number one narc. Absolutely. He narked a bit on the club while he was there. He's been known to... Or, I mean, Tex, Tex could be a narc as well, but he's more... He's got a bit of narkishness about him, but I would imagine... I would have said it was Josh Jenkins. I know he's just left, but Josh Jenkins would be my narc. Okay. Uh, Brisbane Lions. Who's the narkiest guy there? Or pa- past or present? Let's open it up a bit. Um, narky. Acker. Yeah, he could never shut up. He's always talking. He would bloody sell you up the river. Constantly giving away things that he should not be talking about. That was the thing they hated about him at the Bulldogs was that he was constantly going on the record about what was going on at the club in a way that was just completely against you know the code of the game and the understanding of the game at the time. So whether you believe that's good or bad, uh, no, he, he was an absolute narc. Acker. Carlton narc. Who's the biggest narc at Carlton? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Sentata? Sinatra, Sinatra, Frank Sinatra, Santata O'Helper. Yeah, well, Frank you know, Sinatra, Irish, O'Helper. Irish cop. You know, there's that whole kind of like stereotype. Is he copish? Yeah, I mean, it's not the side to be on the side of the cops, though, is it? I mean, Santanto, Samanto O'Helper <laughs> might uh, get a little bit mad that we've called him a cop. Uh, at the pies, uh, I mean, Bucks. Bucks is just a G-man. He's a G-man all over he looks like he works for like a government agency like azo or something like that i mean he would he would knock you out in a second if, if bucks felt like something was going on he'd knock for sure i reckon he would put club above player any day of the week tony shaw is tony shaw a knock knock nah he's like an underworld figure right. <laughs> he looks like a little underworld gangster <laughs> i don't see him as being knocky i mean the thing is Collingwood has such a long list of criminal associates. Yeah. Well, it's, <laughs> it's a very dangerous to place to narc. Yeah. <laughs> You've got to be a brave narc down at the Collingwood Football Club. Well, who was the narc at the Bombers? I mean, I guess maybe Job, Paddy Ryder. They kind of narked, didn't they? They're the ones who, when the ship hit the fan. Oh, Jake Carlisle. He was very public in his narkiness about, uh, about the Bombers. This club's shit. This club sucks. Yeah. <laughs> Remember that? As he's coming off? <laughs> Yeah, no, he, um, he was pretty narky. Um, yeah, I reckon that's pretty good. Uh, Frio. Frio's biggest narc. I mean... Who's their biggest narc? Who's a clean cut? Like a narc to me is sort of like that clean cut kind mm. of guy. He's always like, you know, butter wouldn't melt in their mouth. I mean, Nat Fife has the appearance of a narc. Yeah, but Nat Fife also does things that are against the rules. I'm not sure he's the dobber at the yeah. Fremantle Football Club. Yeah, he goes surfing. Right. Who are the, when he should. Remember when those guys went surfing, missed training and went surfing? Like, whoever dobbed that player in or those players, I can't remember if it was two players or one player, but I remember they went surfing and they didn't go to training. And they, they if they got dobbed in by another player, whoever that is, is their chief narc. Okay. What about the Cats? Who's the biggest narc at the Cats? Hmm. Hmm. Um, I reckon Matthew Scarlett would knock you just to get a competitive advantage. I reckon Matthew Scarlett would hire a private investigator before the game, find out 
a bunch of stuff about you and then report you to the police and get you arrested before the ball's even been bounced. I mean, that's a bit more malicious than knocking, isn't it, though? <laughs> that's more... <laughs> That's more an offensive of its own. That's more sort of your crime boss, crime leader who's, you know, setting out on a certain agenda. But I, yeah, I, I hear you. I think Paddy Dangerfield could be a bit of a narc. I reckon he's, Paddy's got oh, a bit yeah. of, you know, um, that he's, he would. He's a company man. He's a company man. He would call out bad behavior. Um, oh, you know what? Carlton's narc would be uh, would be Chris Judd. He's the biggest narc of them all. Uh, that's a good point. What I, I forgot. I mean, remember pressure points when bloody <laughs> when uh, when Favola tried to get him in the pressure points, and then Favola was gone the very next year. I wonder how that happened. Narked. He got bloody narked on. <laughs> um, the biggest narc at the Suns was whoever didn't get invited to that golf trip. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> With the rest of the players, a literal narc. <laughs> The person who person uh, who wore the wire at the golf day. <laughs> uh, the Giants. Do the Giants have a narc? Jeremy Cameron looks pretty clean cut and narkish. I think he's, you know what I mean. Like he looks like he could work for the FBI or something like that. He does have a. He's like, also a bit of a just that a sort of, of idea prick. that if it turned out that he had been you know, develop from a young age to infiltrate society, but to be a narc. Like he has that yeah. prototype that you would build for that situation about him. Even though I don't know if he has that aspect to his personality at all. He kind of, you'd keep, he's the sort of guy that if he joined your criminal organization, you'd keep going to the other guys. Are we sure he's not a cop? Like yeah. just again, I know that we he just looks like a cop. Can we just he just looks a lot like a cop. I'm getting a real cop vibe from this guy. If you're in the middle of a protest at the moment and you're just someone like, I don't feel like this guy's yeah. a real protester. I feel like this guy might be an undercover cop. That's Jeremy Cameron. Yeah. Uh well this next team, Hawthorne, that guy has has it in spades is Sam Mitchell. Like Absolutely. Sam Mitchell is the dude who turns up to the Antifa protest in his hoodie and he's like carrying a skateboard is like what's up fellow young people what are we doing here like sam mitchell is definitely a narc he'll get he uses psychological tactics to infiltrate i mean he's literally a guy who mimed drugs at a team that did drugs <laughs> he is the poster boy for narc sam mitchell uh the demons who's the biggest narc there uh i don't know I mean, Max Scorn seems pretty cool. Christian Petrarca is not on the side of the narcs. You think Petrarca would be on the other side of the other side of the other guys? <laughs> Strikes me a bit more of a party boy. He's not. His name is not Christian Petrarca. Yeah. <laughs> he is. He is uh, definitely. He's the one who'd be narc. Yeah, exactly. Um, who's their most who is it down straight up and down kind of player? They're no non. Oh, Viney. Jack Viney. Do you think? Doesn't feel like a narc you though. He's too much of a player's player. I don't think he'd turn on the players. I don't think he'd narc Viney. All right. Um, oh, Tom Bug. He'd, he'd squeal in a second. I mean, he doesn't play for him anymore, but never liked that guy. <laughs> okay. Well, Jack right. Watts. Quick, Jack Watts. Quick. Would he have narc? Oh yeah. You know what? Jack Watts is the guy that they've got too much evidence against, and they make him turn. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they saw him snorting like... some powder in Germany. <laughs> yeah. they've got some videos that they can release to the public and some emails and they've just he didn't want to go he didn't want to go against the boys I know he's not there anymore either but he'll he'll do historically I know I was going to say should, should, should we save that one for Port Adelaide or does that does he even though he's moved on when that all happened we still associate him with Melbourne no 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 I don't think he would I, I don't think he'd turn on Port Adelaide <laughs> that's not Port Adelaide's yeah, right. I think he'd go back and knock on Melbourne <laughs> 
Uh, North Melbourne's biggest narc. <sighs> Not Ben Brown. Ben Brown is the hippie that gets infiltrated by the narc. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Jack, Z- Jack Zebel has a bit of a G-man kind of quality to him. I think Zebel, yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Or Sean, Sean Higgins, is he narc? No, I don't think Sean Higgins is narcish. But I think Zebel, in that sense of he's your Captain America. He's your Dudley Do-Right. You yeah, know? yeah. He he's he's yeah. he leads. Yeah. He's not the most talented player, you know, in the game, but he leads by example, and he always always tries to do things at the best and by the book and lead by example. I feel like, yeah, he's your he's your guy you'd go to when you wanted to bust Ben Brown's marijuana farm <laughs> <laughs> at Port Adelaide. We're saying Jack Watts isn't the narc. I reckon no. to go take a, a left turn. I reckon. I reckon. Um, uh, uh, fuck up. Uh, I know he's the Hoff. I can't think of his actual name. I was going to say David Hasselhoff. Uh, Justin uh, Westhoff. Justin Westhoff. I think he would be a narc in the sense that he's been deep undercover, like way, way undercover with the beard and the long hair and stuff. Mm-hmm. But he's the guy you least suspect. He's the Kaiser Sose. He's so embedded, you kind of just mm-hmm. almost ignore him. And there's so many other sort of big personalities at Port as well. It's easy to sort of forget about him. He's just sort of like... That guy is just in the corner with the long hair and the beard and stuff, but he's recording everything you say. He doesn't say much, but he's, re- he's listened and written down everything that's happened. He's always been around. He's never offended anybody. He got another guy to grow a beard just like his so that people would even get confused which of them was in the room at the right time. It is the perfect cover. If he wanted to spill the beans on the entire criminal organisation that is uh, the Port Adelaide Football Club. <laughs> Westhoff is your man. He's the guy that, like, when the prosecutor's like, this is an unimpeachable case. There is no way this is, we have every bit of evidence we ever need because Justin Westhoff has been in deep undercover for 20 years at the Port Adelaide Football Club. Uh, at the Tigers, um, I think there's only one candidate for the NARC there. You know who I'm talking about, don't you? It's got a very narky haircut. No. <laughs> who has the most policeman um, haircut out of all those players? Yeah, Trent Cotchen. Yes, definitely narc, right? I mean, I don't know. Oh, really? I feel like Trent Cotchen is, was the narc, but he's the guy who's understood now that what's come from him going, the gangster lifestyle that he's been living, mm. riding high alongside, you know, Dusty, Dusty Martin and Jack Rewalt singing on stage. And, you know, he... he he loves it. And what he's done is actually embraced that lifestyle. So he's the cop who enjoys taking drugs and being part of the gang too much. And no, he would never... He, the cops don't know it yet because he still presents like he's a cop. But that's his costume now. That was the problem when they lost that preliminary final where he actually got a gangster haircut that night. Yeah. And that's why they lost. He, he For a minute, his cover was blown because it turns out he's not pretending to be in an undercover gang. He's pretending to still be a cop. Trent Cotchin. So he's been point breaked. He started off trying to infiltrate the gang, but before he knew it, he became absorbed into the gang and then is protecting the gang's leader. This is 100% what he is. He's been point breaked. He's been point breaked. Point broken. Point broken. Uh, St Kilda. Who's the biggest narc at St Kilda? I mean, I think previously you would say Nick Revolt would be a fairly obvious candidate. You know, clean cut, is a leader, definitely a company man. Um... Nowadays, who would be our biggest narc? I reckon, I don't know. I don't know who our biggest narc would be. They're all kind of, 
You know, I'd say Jack Billings, maybe. Jack Billings, uh, for the same reason as kind of uh, Justin Westoff, Jack Billings is very unassuming, just sort of blends in. Although he's kind of, you know, was a, you know, a high-end draft pick and stuff, he manages just to sort of like keep his head down. He's not the most high-profile player at St Kilda, even though he's one of the highest draft picks. He sort of could walk into a room. A lot of people wouldn't even recognize him. He's almost your perfect undercover agent. I think he could be a knack. Yeah, I like it. Sydney Swans. Knack. Mm. Well, I mean, whoever dobbed in, <laughs> there was quite a few players to dob in uh, about six or seven years ago at uh, the Swans, from what I understand. <laughs> so, I don't know. Who'd they move on? Um, who would it be currently? Do they have a, a person who is... I mean, would Josh Kennedy be a knack? No, he's too cool to knock out on anybody, I don't isn't know. he? Maybe. Like... I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if he was a knock. Well, who's the, who's the guy who won the best and fairest, whose name we can never remember? Jake Lloyd. Jake Lloyd. He's a knock. <laughs> yeah, definitely a knock. That moustache that he may or may not have, definitely the sort of thing. I mean, he's been undercover to us. We barely noticed he was there. That is the perfect trait of a knock. Managed to win in the best and the fairest, and we never knew if he was actually playing or not. Uh, the Eagles. Who's the biggest knock at the Eagles? Uh, who would knock out at the Eagles? So it's not going to be like a Josh Kennedy who's too much of a cool guy. team player. Wouldn't be Nick Nat. Uh, too cool. Those guys are... It's mm. got to be... So who's the squarest? It's their, it's their, um, it's their captain, old uh, not Darren Glass. Shannon Hearn. Shannon Hearn, Jaren the Hearn. grand final Shannon hero, Hearn. Shannon Hearn. <laughs> <laughs> what about... Jeremy McGovern. Do you reckon he would oh, knock yeah. out? Because he strikes me as like your old school footballer. He's all about drinking yeah. piss and all that kind of stuff and pies and all that. But if anyone at a club was to smoke the devil's lettuce, yeah. you know, he would have very conservative, yeah. you know, some very conservative views. That's what I reckon. He would knock out. Mostly on because he refuses to eat anything that has lettuce in the title. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll take that. Yeah. All right. Last one, the Bulldogs. You tell me, who's the biggest knock at the Bulldogs? Eastern Wood. <laughs> I mean, he'd be a knock in the very traditional sense that I think that, you know, he'd like his ex-Benedict traditional and he'd like his players with, you know, you know what his value he's wanted as a footballer? Honesty. Right? <laughs> yeah. That's what he wanted. Yeah. Honesty. And I mean... What will you do on a plane when somebody says, watch whatever TV series I'm into at a time? That's classic undercover cop. Because it's like, at least come up with like a decent answer for that. That's the, no, you're bugging other players and recording them while they're asleep. I understand. You're swabbing them. You're knock. You're fucking knock. One of the most lovely guys in football, by the way. Um, All right. Let's finish up by looking ahead to this week's games, the forthcoming games. Hopefully this comes out the same day we've recorded it. Um, We've had a few internet pauses, so Podcast Mike might have to do a bit of cleaning up. But on Thursday night, uh, second versus six, Will, who's going to win this game? Um, I don't know. Richmond, probably. Richmond win most of the time. Collingwood are really good, though, I hope. That's that's your hope as a Bulldogs fan that Collingwood are really good. It would be a terrible time to find out that Collingwood are actually terrible. Who knows, um, you know, what the effect of this, you know, time has been. You've got probably the two most competent coaches to manage players during a time like this. You feel like Dimmer and Bucks 
both are those coaches with a world view that would have said that this period of time they would have used it in an innovative way um you know it would have stretched them as personalities and coaches it'll be very interesting to see it's a good first game back it's a blockbuster but it's also a battle of two coaches to see how they would have prepared their team so i think this is really interesting but i think richmond probably win you um uh i will say collingwood for no reason i'm just guessing uh, on Friday, the Cats take on Hawthorne at GMHBA Stadium for the first time since 2006, I believe. Um, is it home ground advantage when there's no crowd? Uh, yes, because you've still got to travel an hour out of Melbourne to that awful, awful stadium. <laughs> <laughs> well, Geelong then. <laughs> I reckon Hawthorne will win that game uh, precisely because they shouldn't. On Saturday, the Lions take on the Dockers. Uh, in Brizzy? Yeah. Um, the Lions? Yes, you are correct. The Lions will win that game. <laughs> Carlton take on Melbourne? Uh, I don't care. At Marvel but, Stadium? Um, Mel- it would be hilarious to see Carlton win that game, wouldn't it? So Melbourne start the year with two losses. I think Melbourne win. I'm going to pick Carlton. Uh, Port Adelaide taking on Adelaide. The showdown. Port Adelaide, Port Adelaide is the correct answer there, Well, Yep. <laughs> on Saturday night, the Suns take on West Coast at Metricon. Uh, West Coast? Yep. <laughs> Sunday afternoon, the Giants take on North Melbourne at Giant Stadium. Uh, the Giants? Yes, uh, I agree. Uh, Sydney take on the Bombers at the SCG. Oh, okay. Here's, uh, this is, yeah, okay. Um, I'm going to say Sid, Sydney, Sydney, the Bombers, the Bombers. I'm going to say, it's the, well, this is probably the Joe Danaher Cup. I'm going to say the Swans win this. And then the last game is the two guys won Cup, Cup. Uh, Saints versus Bulldogs. Saints hosting at Marvel Stadium. I'm going to pick St Gilda. You're going to pick the Bulldogs. And that brings the show to an end. Um, if you want to send us a, an email, our, our mailbag is now empty, so feel free to fill it up for next week. Uh, you can do that by emailing twoguys1cupafl at gmail.com. That's the number two, the number one, twoguys1cupafl at gmail.com. I mean, obviously, the most important thing is uh, we want to know what the other three on our top five Murray Trigoning Hey Hey at Saturday noises <laughs> were. So if you could add to that list, that's really what I'm interested in. You can also uh, contact us through our Facebook page. Uh, we can check that as well before we come back next week. Uh, but that's it for now. Football's back and we couldn't be more excited. Yay. <laughs> Play on, not 15. Ball. <laughs> we are two guys, one car.